Hey guys, welcome back to Res Roots. This is Logan. What's <laughs> up, Logan? How's it going? Maybe you're ready to delete that. Start over again. Right, go for it. <clears throat> so I'm gonna keep it anyways, but go no, ahead and no. try it again. Hey guys, this is Logan. No, wait. <laughs> so anyways. Hey guys, welcome back to Res Roots. <laughs> This is Will, and here's Logan. This is actually uh, going to be my last time hanging out with Logan for a while. Yep. He's leaving tomorrow. So, anyways, so, yes, last week we had, uh, we asked you, or we asked you guys to ask us questions, and we got a good handful, but... Other than that, before I start, I guess I'm gonna say like, how you been? How have you been, Logan? How was your week? It's been good. Um, yeah, it's been busy. Yeah, really busy. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's, busy. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah, real good. Just busy. Um, getting ready to move. Um, I have to get rid of a bunch of stuff, and I leave tomorrow. And I haven't even done anything, so I've been stressing about that. <laughs> but my own stress because I'm more than capable of getting rid of my stuff. I'm just don't want to do it. You a hoarder? Procrastination. Procrastination yeah. is it's still in your DNA. Still in my DNA. <laughs> Fearfully and wonderfully made in him, but procrastination is also there too. Yeah. I was also going to tell you, looking. Um, did I tell you? No, did I tell you? I don't know if I did. <laughs> that I took the manager position at Little Caesars. Really? Yeah, so got more hours now. So, Which is why we, we were supposed to record this podcast a while back, but I was just too busy with work. Yeah. So, And then I asked William today because he, he kept bugging me for the podcast. So I told him it's like I need. So here's my here are my demands for for, for my for my green room, and this is what I I asked for, which he did not provide. Cause it's a lot. <laughs> it wasn't only that when he sent it to me, I was like, "What do you? What is this? Like your grocery list?" My demands were one large tablecloth, um, a white tablecloth. The dressing room should be seventy eight degrees. Four brand new towels, one, two for my face and two for my body. I need some juicy baked chicken, chicken wings, chicken breast, and chicken thighs. <laughs> I need them to be seasoned with fresh garlic, seasoning and salt, black pepper, and cayenne pepper. I also be needing steamed garlic, broccoli, lightly seasoned green beans, some steamed spinach, I only drink Pepsi products, so I need a full case of Aquafina water, half room temperature, and half cold. I need a hot teapot. The teapot needs to be new. Also, with sliced lemon wedges, I need a rose-scented candle, and I need a CD player to play my gospel music. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't meet any of those. A, a CD player? Yeah. <laughs> Come on with a CD player. Nobody know what that is anymore. I don't even know they make CDs still. I wanted my hot garlic wings. Give me them. Well, you had a hot and ready pizza, that's for sure. 
No, I was just joking. Those are Beyonce's demands, and I ain't no Beyonce. Really? That's crazy. I didn't know that. I thought it was. I, th- I literally thought you typed all that out. I was like, dang, Logan's show committed. <laughs> but no, we uh, can't afford all that, so sorry. Big L for you. But anyways, let's jump right in because it is 11 o'clock at night right now. And <laughs> no, I'm always up this late anyways, so it's hard for me to go to sleep. So. <laughs> So we're going to start off the because some questions that we got are pretty deep and heavy. So uh, I'm going to start off really light. Have you read the Chronicles of Narnia? I have not read the Chronicles of Narnia. (laughs) I was like, by choice or not by choice? Not by choice. I watched the movies. So you could say I basically read the books because I watched the movies. Yeah, you could say that, yeah. You never took the class here? I haven't. So if you guys didn't know, uh, here at Indian Bible <laughs> College, we do offer a class on Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at first, I was kind of like, eh, I, don't, I just ended up taking it. And it was probably the easiest class here I ever took here at IUC. But we have someone here, a staff member, that is really just really passionate about the Chronicles of Narnia, you know. I don't have a charger, Logan. I wasn't joking about that. Is your phone dead? It's at 10%. You'll be all right. Just... So it's at four now because my demands weren't met. Whatever. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I, only, I read the Chronicles of Narnia through the class. So, yes, I did read it. Logan, no. No, I didn't read it. Sorry. So would you prefer a fry bread or, you know, Indian taco or Indian burger? It depends on what tribe is making said indigenous taco or indigenous uh, burger. Okay. That's, that's the next question. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah. It depends on who's making it. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. I really like the Indian burger or Navajo burger or... Indigenous burger. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the next question. And it's funny. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I would say it funny. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it either. But the whole debate of Indian taco or Navajo taco. My my answer for that question is Jesus became all things to all men. So what, what region you're at, you call it by that region's name. That that's my my answer for that question. Well, I didn't think we were gonna pull out some scripture <laughs> into this question. <laughs> but it's uh, really it's really hard because yeah, I mean, I'm mean, moving like honestly too, like where I'm from too, and in up north in Idaho, we you know how like people say natives, and then us where we live, we call them Indians. Like, oh yeah, those Indians over there, look at that. You know, not coming off as like an offensive way or anything. It's just I don't know, that's how we it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw some Indians there at the casino. (laughs) Stuff like that. Again, just you know, you become all things to all men. And back again, you being all spiritual Mm -hmm. looking. Yeah. 
I get, I'm trying to I'm trying not to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I I do agree with Logan. So I will say Navajo taco down here. Not only that, if I say Indian taco, I probably get stoned or people get mad. Yeah, and like it depends on your demographic too. If you're trying to make that money and selling them. Them tacos, and you you call it a Navajo taco. <laughs> yeah, it's all silly Indian tacos down here. <laughs> no Indian tacos over here. Yeah, it's like, what is that? All right, Logan, you ready for these questions? Yeah. I feel like you would have a great saying in this because this is your neck of the woods and something that you're, something that you know a lot about. So the question is, how do you think native communities are impacted by the mass graves of precious indigenous babies slash children that were, are being found? How has this impacted you personally? I think, well, first of all, that's a heavy question. Yeah, it is. But it is good that those questions are being asked. Um <clears throat> I think how Native communities are being impacted. Um, I don't, and I'm not saying that every Native community is being impacted in this way. You know, I think every, like I said, every tribe is unique. They're diverse in their own way. But I do think I feel that Indigenous tribes all across North America, um, First Nations, you know, reserves, reservations, I think it's good that these graves are being discovered or were being or are continuing to be discovered because it's been about a year now, hasn't it, since the first one that was found in BC, uh, British Columbia was found. And again, I think it's good that they're being discovered because it's allowing closure, I think, to, you know, the residential schools in Canada and um, the boarding schools here in the States. I think that with that closure, it's bringing healing to the people. And I think healing needs to take place. Um, because, again, you know, these mass graves were being, are being found. And before that, like the governments, I'm sure, you know, the government of Canada, the, the, the U.S. government, um, kind of, I think they, because they knew the history of indigenous peoples in, in this continent, of this continent and both governments definitely and like really really tried hard to to hide it but again it, it's bringing healing to two people and i think different communities are honoring their past ancestors through it because i know there is a lot of like i'm not gonna say ceremonies but in for the indigenous state i'm gonna say ceremonies um <laughs> But they're they they're having these um what's the word I'm trying to say? These celebrations, I guess, of you know, of their people returning to their land because some of these children were were, were taken from their homeland and brought to these certain schools and buried them. So buried there. So those children are returning back to their homeland and they're getting rested in, in their you know, in their tribal land, which is good again, bringing healing and it's bringing closure. So I think to say that each tribe is, is dealing with it differently, but I think each tribe is feeling relief that these bodies are being 
these children are being found. Um, because again, it, it's bringing closure to the people and it's bringing reconciliation and it's bringing healing as well as it's bringing, you know, attention to the atrocities that were performed in these schools. And <clears throat> I think it, it, it's a good reminder too that all things that were done in darkness always come into light. So, yeah. Now your turn. No, that was, that was really good. But I, was, I don't know if he did answer it or not. But I was like, how did it impact you? Oh, how it impacted me. Uh, again, I think it, it, it's great that these, um, these children are being found because, again, it, it brings healing. And it's recognizing, giving reconciliation to my past ancestors because, um, you know, my, my grandparents on both sides of my family um, all went to residential school and they all kind of, you know, have had past traumas and the past abuses brought to them by, um, you know, the religious leaders of their day. And I think just knowing that my grandparents were survivors as many of their, maybe some of their friends or relatives weren't, um, kind of brings healing to, I guess, to my community, um, to me. And it, it helps me realize that even though Satan intended that for evil, and it was very much evil what was done, very much evil, but our creator really... I don't, I don't want to say he intended it for good because I don't think good really came out of that. But he is making a way for people to be healed from that trauma, from that hurt. And he's bringing closure to it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I would totally agree. Like, I'm, like honestly, like, I think it was... Uh, biblical communications here were you presented on residential schools no it was uh, there was a class that, it was one of the classes that I, yeah. I talked about I think I first wrote about it in my English class and then I again did it for my anthropology class I believe mm. yeah yeah it's like when you presented it though that was like my first time ever hearing about residential schools i was like holy crap like dang and then like finding out about the graves uh last year around this time it, it i really like i was i like grieved and mourned you know just thinking you know from a father's perspective a father's heart imagining you know my own son going through that or thinking of any kid in general, you know, just going through that as a father's heart. I'm like, man, I can't imagine that. Like, oh man, I would, I would like freak out. I'll lose myself. <laughs> so when they brought it out when you know, like how you said it came out to the light, I was really just blown away of like how much graves were found and discovered and like you said they're continuing continuing to be discovered you know it really it does 
stir up a lot of <clears throat> emotions because like yeah i get it i get it and people were you know blaming the church or bashing the church and christianity and it, it kind of like frightened me because i'm like dude how do i how do i approach this like how can how can i encourage somebody how can i encourage somebody that is struggling with this you know, the last thing they want to hear is, you know, like, well, this is what Jesus did in my life. You know, he healed me, he saved me. That's the last thing they want to hear is, you know, oh, yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, life. God intended it for good. and Or I'm praying for you. Like, those things just did not seem enough for me to say. So I was kind of like, I was in a pickle. And I was just really struggling because <laughs> I was really just angry at God as my God. I was angry at God myself because I was like, man, why, like, God, why did you allow that? Like, what the heck? I remember those seeing, you know, these bodies and they're returning back to their homelands. And like how Logan said, is it's given them closure. And now they're allowed to you know, to start the grieving process healthy, you know. And also it gives people the freedom to share, you know, their stories being shared about other people's experiences being a part of the residential schools. And it helps them to get it off their chest and their heart, you know, and being able to talk about it. And so I was really, that's one thing I'm really thankful for. And one thing I still grieve about is just, the hurt, the brokenness, the trauma, the generational trauma that's been taking place here. And just how I said, how it impacted me personally, it was just, it, I was angry. I was sad. You know, the enemy really, the enemy really has a strong hold on our people. It's just really hard to approach. So the one thing I can do is continue to just be in the presence, you know, instead of trying to speak or trying to pour in. Instead, just listen. Because I feel like that's all they need to be is just listen and heard. That's how it impacted me. So I don't know if you have anything else to add to that question because the next question is even more deeper, Logan. <laughs> it gets deeper. Um, no, I think, you, I think you nailed it on the head pretty pretty well in that question, so... He's like, you need to stop smoking, Logan. <laughs> All right. Next question is, how do you reconcile being a follower of Jesus with how the gospel of Jesus came to indigenous people historically here in North America? Good question. <laughs> that is really a good question. Shout out to whoever did that. No, for real, that, 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 not, no, not some shade or anything. That's a, that's a really good question because I think those questions need to be addressed. So I'm going to allow William to go first as I ponder what to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh man, this is a, this is a crazy one here. I was, I would say, you know, for my people in uh, Nez Perce, there's actually uh, a missionary. His name's Henry Spaulding. He 
And this was actually like before he even came. This was like early 1800s, mid 1800s. I could be wrong, but I remember reading parts of his uh, his journal that he did. He actually said like there was already Christians here, Christianist person, Native Americans here. Although Henry Spalding kind of came in with this legalistic mindset of, you know, calling us heathens, calling us pagans, our dream or religion, that's what we call our religion back in those times was dream or religion. He called it wicked and deceitful. Yeah, he came in, he just came in with that, that legalistic mindset. But to really think about it, though, is... I would say a big part of our language has been lost. But one thing that I found out, I think it was last week, not last week, sorry, last year, I found out last year that he translated the four, the Gospels and Acts and Nespers. And he actually, you know, and his wife was actually more impactful with our people because it's the people really, our people really loved his wife back in those days. But, but when it comes to worldwide reservations, like people were getting killed left and right. You know, they came basically colonized, you know, colonized the reservation, which ultimately led to a bad reputation on Christianity with our native people. Jesus did not say to anybody in his ministry during his earthly ministry it was like he wasn't like you know you're you're a sinner, you're a pagan, you're a heathen. Repent and follow me. You know Jesus wasn't like coming off as an aggressive way like you better believe in me, you better follow me, drop everything and follow me. Like, but. How the Christianity has come to our people was really wrong. I said, like, it just brought a bad reputation. And I think one of the hardest things as, you know, being a believer, believing in Jesus, especially as a Native man, a Native, you know, free, and if a woman's listening, in their case, a woman, a Native man, a Native woman, believing in Christ, there's, like, so much shame that goes on. You know, people would say, why would you believe in something that killed our people? Why would you believe in something that took our language? It's hard, you know, like, I don't know how to answer that. Like, Jesus has really, the Jesus that they brought was legalistic, came off wrong. But this is the Jesus that I know that he loves, he cares you know, he has his mercy, his grace. It is all there. And this is how Christianity should have been brought to us as Native Americans. Of them showing the mercy, the care, the love that Jesus has for all of us. But not coming at us like, oh, you're, you're Native, you're, you know, you're Native your ways are wicked and deceitful. Repent and follow Jesus, which is clearly not a way to share the gospel. So 
So I, I don't know if I really answered that question directly, but I still have a hard time trying to let go of what happened to us as Native people in the past. Because, you know, our past should not define who we are today. So my hope and prayer is that whoever is still affected by this, that they would be able to actually understand and know that the Jesus that I serve and that I follow is the one who loves, who cares, does not look at me any less than he loves me for who I am. And I know Jesus, you know, loves like Logan here. He loves Logan for who he is. He loves my people, the Nespers people for who they are. Logan, he loves Logan's people for who they are. But it, it just comes down to this is the who, this is who really Jesus really is. This is who he really is. So I guess that's my answer. So what do you got, Logan? Logan. Yeah, thanks for that, Will. Some good answers right there. I think for me, how I reconcile being a follower of Christ and also the way that Christianity um, came to my people or came to our people and like let's let's start off first with the word Christianity. I don't even like that word Christianity. It's really whitewashed, if that, if that makes sense. Like not like has a bad reputation, but it has a bad reputation. And not not saying yeah. like it's like you know, I'm not talking about a people group washed. I'm talking about you know, whitewashed walls, a whitewashed tomb. You know, it's really has a negative impact on that word. Christianity um, but at the same time too, I understand where the word comes from you know little Christs because we're supposed to be little Christs um, yeah so I think with that word definitely it, it does have a negative agitation amongst indigenous people groups all through North America but the way I, I see it is that I, I do agree with Will that Christianity definitely came to indigenous peoples in a wrong way. Like if you were to look at the Bible and the way Jesus presents himself, he is a God of the God of love. He, um, you know, he didn't come down to earth and, kill people he didn't come down and be like yo what you're doing is wrong or he didn't come down and try to change the way people you know lived the way they they did things and when when he did try to do that he didn't do it out of hate he didn't do it out of anger he 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 came down with love so i do think that the people who've came to this this country um and and brought christianity weren't doing it with the full intent of of love i honestly believe that it was 
evil the way they came and definitely through through satan satan really used them in, in a powerful way for for his benefit and for his glory so i guess how i see christianity is you know there, there's two types of way that you can you can see christianity i think there's the way that the people who came to our ancestors and did it out of hate out of fear out of you know trying to be the dominant people group i think and definitely taking verses out of scripture um context yeah out of context did i say out of scripture (laughs) (laughs) yeah but definitely taking verses out of context and you know making us again making us go into their dominant culture but at the same time too if we look at history you know i do think and correct me if i'm wrong well but every indigenous people's group of their their land of their continent all had some sort of colonization right Uh, yeah Yeah. definitely In, in, in the name of the gospel and again it's a shame that the name of the gospel or the gospel came to people groups in that context it's not the way the god that we follow does it he doesn't you know like oh you gotta do this you gotta do that and yes you know in certain ways you do gotta do that but he's not making you do it right away you know it it, it takes time you know when you have a relationship with somebody or to think of it this way when if you have a child and you you know that's your child you have to nurture that child right you have to help them grow you have to help them discern from right and wrong you have to teach them that the oven's hot you have to do all these things to mature that child right when that child is first born you're not just going to take it and you know teach all these things to this child right when they're born because first they're not going to understand it you know they're their minds are not set up to understand that information just yet. It takes a process. It, it it's, a, it's a two-way street. Your child is getting to know you as well as you're getting to know the child's personality because God has given that child a personality. And I think that that goes with, with knowing people as well. It's a relationship, especially people that you're trying to minister, people that you're trying to kind of learn their culture and learn their ways learn how to be culturally appropriate appropriate to their to them and not to offend them but for us you know we we need to be culturally appropriate to the people groups that we're reaching and that goes for indigenous people for first nations for native american for indians for you know whatever you want to call us um but the first people group of this land and I think I'm, I feel like I'm making sense. I don't know. I could be talking gibberish, but um, yeah, what Satan intended for evil, I do believe God is going to intend for good because I do firmly believe that what Billy Graham said back in the day is that, you know, native people are the sleeping giants. And once we are woke, once we are, you know, realize our identity, realize our worth, realize the ties that we have to our land the ties that we have to the creator 
you know, we we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think Satan also knows that as well. And I think he he does everything in his power to to stop indigenous peoples from doing that. You know, first with the residential schools, boarding schools, then with addictions, then, you know, having childless or fatherless homes. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on. But once native people realize their power, ooh, powerful. I think it could be very powerful. And the way I justify myself being a believer and knowing that the hurt that my ancestors went through in, in the name of Jesus is that that Jesus that they portrayed is not the Jesus I follow. The Jesus that they were talking about is not the same Jesus that I, I feel in my heart. You know, the Jesus that they were portraying to our people was a Jesus of hate, was a Jesus of you got to follow me, you got to, you know, submit to my ways, submit to my authority, submit to my culture. But the Jesus I follow today, yeah, my identity is in him, but because my identity is in him, my indigenous self is stronger in him because of that and can pretty much help me with my everyday walk. I was about to take something out of context and I, and I realized. <laughs> but at the same time too, you know, Jesus is not a white man's God. I'm just going to say it, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, blame the dominant culture. I'm not because some of my great brothers and sisters are, you know, not brown skinned, but light skinned. Um, but Jesus wasn't, was not this white man with blue eyes and, you know, just yeah, deadly hair. looking hair. Yeah. Yes. Just rolling. You know, he wasn't that, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Bible says that Jesus wasn't a man that, you know, he wasn't a good looking man. He was, well, I don't know what he looked like, but the, the scriptures say that he wasn't a good looking man. He was probably your average man, um, Jewish man to be exact. And, you know, brown skin. He probably had a big nose, like some of us indigenous people too. Um, yeah, he was, you know, he wasn't just this pretty man, but I don't know. I'm trying to go with this, but. No, I was actually, um, it was it was crazy because, so, like, I remember 2017, 2018, I, uh, I was a part of the homeless shelter ministry here in Flagstaff. It was actually on Thanksgiving, and one of the homeless, uh, he was a non-native, um, he asked me, he was like, does your people celebrate this? You know, this comes down to the whole, uh, what was it? Thanksgiving. Yeah, like, the, what was the, I I remember, I can't remember it. It's, well, in no, in like, Canada, it, it's different than, than y'all in America. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> Logan, it's like, making this feel, make me feel less than, but no, I'm trying to talk about, like, is it the, after the execution or pilgrim? Thanksgiving? Yeah. Here in America, no Thanksgiving is isn't it in November for you guys? Yeah, but I'm talking about like when, what the actual what actually happened. Oh, it's when 
I believe it's when the uh, indigenous people signed. Um, do you guys call them treaties here? I think it's treaties or. Oh, I, I, anyway, they signed that paper and were. And, and don't quote me on this because I'm not American. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I could be um, totally. But what, from what I understand is that the indigenous people signed something with the settlers, um, you know, kind of the rights, the, the promises. The settlers said that we will promise to always take care of you and everything like that. As the indigenous people taught them, you know, how to hunt, do all that, gather for food, cook, kind of all of that things and how to survive in this climate. And they celebrated by having a feast and they gave things. So I think that was the first Thanksgiving as history, as we now we know history that wasn't, they didn't, they didn't follow through. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, so, yeah, he asked me that question and I was like, I mean, honestly, where I'm from, where I live, I was like, I think everybody still has a, has a nice feast on this day. But I actually was at the homeless shelter for this Thanksgiving, which was a whole new experience for me. Really humbling, too, because, you know, most of these people in that homeless shelter probably haven't heard from their family in years or, I mean, honestly, too, they don't have a family to celebrate Thanksgiving with. It was really humbling, and I was just like, man. And it was hard, too, because we weren't allowed, they weren't allowed to allow, they weren't allowed to have intoxicated people in the shelter to get food. The majority of the people that were intoxicated were natives. And that was sad. But anyways, I was conversating, communion, commune with this guy. And yeah, and he really brought up a really cool perspective because like I said, he's a non-native guy. And he, I told him, I was like, yeah, a lot of our people here, Native America in general, always say white man's God. <clears throat> and then he was like, well, I want you to really think about it. They did, they did have a white man's God. And that's how their white, that's how their God wanted them to spread the news to your people. That's not Jesus. Jesus, he was saying, like, Jesus is the one that loves. He loves you for, like, that's why our whole new perspective came in for me. It was, like, Jesus loves you for who you are. And Jesus loves the Native Americans for who they are. And he was like, yeah, they these people did bring a white man's God into your guys' people. And I was like, whoa. But so, that white man's God was in their their adoration of, of what God was yeah, like, right? Yeah, and it's like, and I know it comes down to, yes, they said it in Jesus' name, but that's literally not who Jesus is, as Logan was saying. Like, he didn't kill anybody to make sure. Like, if you didn't follow him, he's not going to kill you, you know? So I was blown away by that. So that was the answer to the third question. <laughs> Yeah, and that that's cool too. And like even if you think about it too, it's like, you know, God is the only one who can heal your pain. He's the only one who can bring reconciliation. 
to you. He's the only one who can bring closure in, you know, our deepest, darkest things that we've, we've been through in life. See, that's the God that I follow. That's the God that I love and who loves me. It's not just Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. <laughs> you know. The force. The force, yeah. you know, kind of God. No, no, He, my God is the God who's healed me from my past hurts, from my past traumas. And that's the God or the creator that we are trying to, to talk about today, you know. Wait, this is a great segue, Logan. What verses have sustained you or allowed you to have hope through this difficult and trying time, specifically the last few years with all that has gone on in the world, in the country, etc.? I can do all things through Jesus who sings. It's a great verse. No, it's a great verse. If if that's your favorite verse, then then that's good. Um. I think what verses that have really sustained me in these past couple of years, and anybody who knows me well is going to know what my favorite Bible verse is because I'm not one to hide it. But it's definitely in Philippians 1.6 that he who started a good work in you will carry it on until completion or till completion or until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning that God has started a good work in me. Um, yeah. Right, right when I asked uh, God to be in my heart, it was back in 1995, and I make I know I'm making myself sound real old, but <laughs> that was the year that I accepted Jesus Dang, into 95. my heart. Back in 1995, so I don't know I don't know how many years that is, but that's a long time. Will wasn't born when I accepted Jesus into my heart. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I think it was it was in 1995 that I accepted Jesus, and I can you know I remember it vividly too. I think I was like four, honestly, and I knew I knew what I knew what I was doing. I knew the context of what I was doing. Um, my mother was the one who who led me to Christ, and and like it wasn't even like this thing where she was like, you know, this is what Jesus did. And, you know, all this thing. She wasn't explaining it to me. It was like this, this, we were in her room and I don't know for my old school people who are my age. Do you guys remember those Fisher price flashlights? They were like big and yellow and you could switch colors to red, green, and then a regular flashlight. It's old, but they, I had two of them and, <laughs> We were downstairs in our basement and we were playing around with them. And yeah, and I think I remember I just like asking my God, like, what is light? And like, you know, asking about light and then what happens, you know, after we die because of that. Because I was curious. And right there, she, you know, she explained the gospel. And, you know, I asked Jesus to come live in my heart. And yeah, so that was the very first time that. Well, that was the only time I accepted Christ. And I'm not going to say that with with that, I completely, yeah, I was a Christ follower, but I didn't like understand my worth, I would say. Um, at that age, well, definitely not the age because I was four. But, you know, as I got into my older years, you know, my teenage years and stuff like that, there was definitely a rededication of being a Christ follower then and there too because... I knew in my heart that I was saved, but I knew that I wasn't fully 
walking in that freedom that that Christ gives. And yeah, so again, you know, 18, 19, you know, rededicated my life back to God. And again, this is not a segue of me telling my testimony, but going back to that verse of Philippians 1, 6, you know, he who started a good work in you will carry it on until completion or until the day of Christ Jesus. When I was four years old, Jesus, you know, started that good work in me. Again, you know, he didn't leave me nor he didn't forsake me in in my in the rest of my years growing up and then again you know a good reminder of rededication because god is still carrying on that good work in you even though when you're not living it even though when you're feeling you know like you're not doing the best that you can be god is still starting that good work in you day by day you know his mercies are new every single morning and so that's one of my one of my verses that I, I go to, I have a lot, but that's that's one. I think Second Corinthians three ten is another one that I, you know I go to. It, it talks about though we war in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For our weapon, for our weapons are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, that is another another verse that is really near and dear to my heart. Because first and foremost, you know, when we when we're having anxiety, when we're having depression, when we're having just kind of these bad thoughts about ourselves, you know, we are not warring with flesh and blood, but we are warring with the principalities, you know. Because they, they are the ones who I, I feel are, are making us feel that way. Because, again, spiritual warfare is alive. It's real. And I think we, we look past it a lot. But spiritual warfare, majority of the time, are putting those thoughts into our minds. So I like how Paul talks about that. You know, when you take every thought captive for the obedience of Christ. Meaning that those thoughts that you're having, those anxieties that you're having, to take them captive for the obedience of Christ. Yeah. Amen, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Logan. So I don't know how to follow up after that one. Shoot. So what I have is your is your poster at your church, Psalm twenty three. <laughs> you know the, Psalm twenty three, though I walk through the shadow yes. of the valley of hey. the like, no, let me see if I can remember how it starts. Sorry, it's been a minute. Um the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Mm-hmm. Well, depending on your translation, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all K- KGV over yeah, here, King yeah, James over here. The Valley of Shadow, that sounds like Coolio. Game's <laughs> <laughs> paradise. No, but, so let me just break this down really quick. Now I'm going to read it and now I'll break it down. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads beside me quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
it's crazy to think like also you know the sheep sheep are probably the dumbest animals ever to be created in the world like if you you see a sheep i want you to observe it and just watch what it does they do some crazy things like the sheep eats a plant and it eats and it eats and the plant is still gone but it's still eating a bunch of dirt the shepherd has to move the sheep head over the sheep's head over to another spot to eat more grass and then when the sheep is tired or just wants to go to sleep it just literally just falls over and then sleeps and if it was on a hill it would be rolling down the hill and if you take a handful of a handful of brains of the sheep, you will get a mild, smart dog. The Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me be quiet, beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. A sheep is also defenseless. You know, a dog bites. A skunk has an odor. You touch Logan, you'll fight you back. Sheep has nothing to defend himself. Say, so Logan, if you touch Logan, you'll fight you back. Talking about defensive. But so when a sheep. A way the sheep can defend himself is a way a sheep can defend itself is being by its shepherd. A way for you to defeat the enemy is being by your shepherd. So A sheep has a good relationship with its shepherd. When a shepherd calls out, the sheep will recognize his voice, and immediately the sheep will follow and come back to that voice. When your shepherd is calling out to you, do you respond to your shepherd's voice? You know, and if the sheep keeps wandering off, the shepherd will have to go out his way to get the sheep. And if the sheep keeps coming, running away, keeps running away from the shepherd, eventually the shepherd has to break that sheep's leg because it keeps running away. The shepherd breaks the leg and puts it on his shoulders. And the way I look at it is that it's better to have a broken leg than being a dead sheep. So allowing God, you know, obviously allowing God to break your leg, you know, not really, but sometimes we need that discipline from our shepherd. That's what God, uh, that's what sustains me or well, that's what helps me to remind myself is I I'm I am honestly a sheep. You know, I'm like I'm one of those sheep that keep running off and staying away from them Navajos and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's just it always reminds me is that we always have a good shepherd. 
you know, a shepherd doesn't use his rod to, you know, beat the sheep up. Like, yeah, you stupid sheep. Yeah. But it's more of a, that's what David is saying. Your rod comforts me and guides me. And that's what the shepherd is doing. Guiding. I like that. Thank you, Will. Yeah. So, Fun fact, sheeps are not the dumbest animals out there, though. They're ranked 20th dumbest. <laughs> I don't know. Top but 20. You got to admit, though, they're, they're still pretty dumb. Okay, I have a list of the dumbest animals right here. <laughs> you really Googled I, that while I was I sharing. did, yeah. Because I was like, what are the dumbest animals? So yeah, I stand corrected. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number one is the kill deer. So the kill deer are woodland birds that you can find in the Mendes region of the United States. They, they are known for their complete lack of survival skills. So that's number one. Number two is a secretary bird. The secretary bird is a four foot tall predatory bird that also refuses to use its wings despite being able to fly just fine. So a bird that doesn't fly but can fly. That's fine. Three, we have a Komodo dragon. <clears throat> Komodo dragons are notorious for chewing their food but not chewing their food. So their food gets stuck in their mouths, and what they do is that they run at trees to try and get the food stuck out of their mouths, and in the meantime, are is they're lodging the food more into their mouth, and to make them be you know choke, and they're also giving themselves brain damage. It's so, me, he is it's me eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's number three is a komodo dragon. Number four are koala koalas. They're just cute. Um, makes makes them the fourth dumbest is that they, their their brain is too small for their body. They're so cute. And the number five is a chicken. I think we all know why chickens are yeah, dumb. Chickens, so. yeah. I, I don't think you need to read out the whole list, Logan. I get it. <laughs> no, no, we got to do it. No, uh, Norwegian lambing is number six. Number seven is a mastiff. That's that's a dog. Number eight is a turkey. They're good, though. Number nine is a kakapoo. What? Kakapoo are types of parrots. They live in New Zealand. Hmm. Number 10 is a horned lizard. Number 11 is a slow loris. Hmm. Number 12 is an emu. Number 13 is a goblin shark. Number 14 is a bulldog. So sorry for all you bulldog lovers. Your dog's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Number 15 is a jarbua. Number 16 is a panda. Number 17 is a flamingo. Number 18 is a shih tzu. tzu. (laughs) You know what I'm trying to say? I'm not. I'm kind of not. You can't say that correctly. (laughs) Number eight, number eighteen is a shih tzu. Anyway, anyway, number eighteen is a shy tuzu. Shy tuzu. I think it's the same thing. <laughs> anyway, number eighteen is a shih tzu. Uh, <laughs> That's how you say it, right? Yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> anyway, eighteen is a is a shit shoe. Shit Number nineteen is a chameleon and da 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 da. Number twenty is a sheep. It's still top twenty. 
top 20 dumbest anime. Number 21 man. is uh, well, I, was, I wouldn't say dumbest, maybe dependent animal. I don't know, maybe all those are the same one under the same category. But anyways, thanks for that info, Logan. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> anyways, want to wrap this up, Logan? Are we done with the questions? Yeah, it? dude, we're sitting at an hour right now. Nah, I guess I'll wrap it up. Thank you, Logan, for doing these past episodes with me. Appreciate it a lot. It has been an honor. I will be doing more in the future. Yeah, we got to figure out a time because I'm moving. Yeah, these will be three hours, maybe four hours ahead of me. So I do really appreciate it, though, Logan. Yes, my pleasure. Yeah, so stay tuned, guys. I'll be going to WLS. I will not be going to WLS. (laughs) But WLS is on Thursday, June 30th through July 5th. I will be over there interviewing some people and possibly recording some songs with some people so i'm looking forward to it stay tuned for that love you guys peace bye